Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is the podcast where I share insights and strategies from the leaders who are shaping the future of film. What are the opportunities for getting film to audiences today in an age of unprecedented content, competition and connectivity? That is the heart of the question explored in this very special episode recorded recently at the Glasgow Film Festival. As regular listeners will know, this show is normally in the form of in-depth one-to-one interviews. However, this is a slightly expanded format as we are joined by not just one, but four experts in their field, which is distribution and audiences. And in no particular order, we have Mia Bayes, Director at Large of Bird's Eye View, the year-round agency that campaigns for gender equality in film. Ben Johnson, who runs Groovy, a media tech company that helps entertainment businesses reach and engage online audiences. Lee Shelton is responsible for all digital marketing activity across the Curzon Group, which, if you're not based in the UK, is a leading boutique cinema, digital platform, and integrated distribution company here. And Eve Gabro, founder and CEO of the new female-led distribution company, Modern Films. And we certainly cover a lot of ground in this conversation, including influencer marketing, event cinema, use of data analytics and how that can be used in uh, more effectively in distribution. Theatrical windows, always a controversial one, of course. Festival strategies and what filmmakers can do to maximise the distribution potential of their product. As mentioned, this episode is brought to you in partnership with the brilliant Glasgow Film Festival, which takes place in February each year. If you haven't been, I urge you to do so. It really is a dynamic and energised festival, and it was a privilege to partner with them on this podcast. If you are enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Just click subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop onto your device, your desktop, however you like to listen to your podcasts. Also, you can sign up for updates at the home of Film Disruptors. That's www.alexstoltz.com. Just enter your email to receive all the latest Film Disruptors news and episodes straight to your inbox. And this is also where you can access previous episodes, find out more about our featured guests, and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. And that just leaves me to say thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this two-part episode recorded live at the Glasgow Film Festival. And I started part two by asking Ben how we can create more urgency and call to action in the distribution process. Yeah, so it all starts with the producers, which is why we spend a lot of time publishing reports and information. And there's a, a book that's free to download off our site as well, which goes through the film industry, what distributors have to work on, how creative works, how targeting works, which platforms to keep an eye out for, where we feel the future of the film industry is going. Um, 
But we, when we're talking with producers, we're actually trying to get them to make our lives easier 15 or 10 years down the line when, when you know, in these, particularly on the, the younger producers' workshops that we've been involved with, to, uh, to not just think about making the film, raising the money for the next film, and then moving on to that, like to actually think about the downstream sections of, uh, of the value chain, right? So a common problem that we run into is we'll get a brief on a movie three days out from it releasing, and there'll be a three and a half minute long trailer and one poster which hasn't really been properly put together and without any testing. And at that, basically, you're just flushing the, the marketing money down the toilet at that point. I mean, we, we, we do our best, but it's much better to run into a campaign where we've got a range of things to work with. And the sales agent has been given that stuff by the producer and the producer has an overall understanding of who his audiences or uh, uh, who her audiences are. And um, that, I think that's the first key step uh, is to, to really, from a production side, to, to, to think about the long-term aspect of the film and to have a conversation early on, like, who is going to go and check out this movie? Are we creating the right assets and edits for uh, attracting those audiences? Which channels are they on? How are they communicating? Because that's basically the beginning of a media plan. And really, a producer has a better grasp of their audiences uh, most of the time than the distributors do because the distributors are working on many different projects at one time. So if that conversation happens, that's kind of the first good step. And then... And what would you, I just in, in specifics, what would you, what would you, what would be a checklist for people to work to? Yeah, don't rely on one three and a half minute long trailer, <laughs> really, because that just makes it a nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, no, so lots of, lots of short edits. You have to figure out why someone is going to want to check out your film in the busy context of today's world, right? Everyone is device over, overladen, their attention spans have, have shrunk, and there's more content than ever before. I think like, more shows are being, more t hit TV shows are being canceled uh, than ever before. So it's, it's, it's really, this, I, this problem with attention is, is affecting you know, the video games industry, the music industry, because it's never been easier to produce content. And there's a lot of funding from the European Union that's gone into producing a lot of ideas. What there is a, a, a basically producers should be asking themselves the question on top of raising the finances: Who is actually going to watch the film? And the answer of well, everybody is not really good enough. It's got to be very specific in the early stages because that core audience is going to be the one that's going to help you cross the chasm of awareness and hopefully get everyone to see the film. But if you don't have a good idea of who those people are and you haven't created the marketing assets uh, for the sales agent to then take to the distributor, you're shooting yourself in the foot down, down the road. So, you, so just, I mean, you actually recommending that people cut their own trailers, their, their own promos. Yeah, well, do the market research, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, you can jump on Facebook's tool and, and do a, an analysis of basic keyword terms and see how big the audiences are across a range of demographics. It's a, really simple thing to do it's free um you know, we've got a free tool on our site if you hit the find your audiences button just that'll that'll simplify it and then you don't have to learn how to use facebook um looking at um the twitter hashtags you know what we 
the, the we had a real wake up experience when we first got going. So we started as a film recommendation platform prior to Netflix and everything else getting going. It was a lovely idea in theory, but we could never raise money around it. But one distributor felt quite sorry for us because we've been talking to them for ages to try and raise budgets for this for this idea. And it, and they were saying, well, we've got this film, we don't know how to market it. It's called Fair Game. Um, it's about the Valerie Plame incident. Um, it's got Sean Penn and Naomi Watts in it. Um, can you help us? Because, you know, it's a fairly low budget film and, it, and it, we don't think it's going to be that successful in cinemas. Um, but we want you to use Facebook. So we spent probably about half the budget on this tiny little campaign scratching our heads trying to get people to engage around Naomi Watts or Sean Penn. And these actors are very quiet on social media. They had no presence, you know, particularly in Denmark where we were, get, where we were getting going. And we were just thinking shit, we're going to have to return this money because this isn't working. And then it was like, well, hang on, what's the film about? And well, the film is the, is the first story that WikiLeaks broke. And uh, it's about this, uh, this conspiracy with the US government outing a CIA agent because her husband refused to basically endorse a, a report on the weapons of mass destruction. Uh, that was a whole precursor to the Iraq invasion, and, and WikiLeaks had broken this story and, and got the story out there before any of the major news outlets. And then we just changed the advertising to we'll come and see the first story that WikiLeaks broke. And like it went from $2 to get someone to get into the page down to like three euro cents. And it was like, okay, well, that's how Facebook works then. Uh, yeah, so that, that basic audience analysis, if it, if you can put it together, it can be really helpful. Can I just jump in? Because that sounds great in theory, but like the as a filmmaker, as someone who's made like 18 films, like it's not that it's not as simple as that. And you know, what is also complicated is that funders, financiers, people, everyone wants to take you take your rights. So actually even like it's all about how broken the model of like you know, sales and distribution is as well. Like, because you're not, as producers, you're not in control of all of that stuff. Like, you're just not, you know. And also, you know, it's great. Like, I come from a distribution background. I think about who my audience is and marketing and how to market. But even I know that you're really busy making the film. Like, and, and so actually having someone else take care of that is really challenging. So you need film financiers and partners all the way through who are going to kind of help you help you navigate those waters because you're just not in control of the rights you have to give them away you can't coordinate worldwide releases because you'll throw you know you 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 may be like really doing a disservice to the value of the rights in those in the various territories you can't release anything if you can't sell north america without you know north america always wants to go first so you have to worry about, like, if you release anything beforehand, like, you know, you'll probably never do a US deal if, if, you, if, if that, the distributor feels like there's no real, like, the film hasn't, you know, really been, like, properly kind of marketed or been at the right festivals. So there's all kinds of, like, really complicated structural mm. issues mm. that filmmakers have absolutely no control over. So, you know, that's the, I mean, that's a, that's a great plan if you are doing an entirely digital release and you're controlled. But like a lot of people don't want to do that. You want to do the traditional model. So that's when it gets way more complicated. And you, and you, uh, you, you, you recommend though, putting some money in, into the budget to 
to, to, for assets, for... Everything, like agencies, like as much as possible, just argue with your film finances that you mm. need, you know, it should be easier if they're public funders that they get this stuff. If they're not in their private equity, you know, you should be able to put up a compelling argument. Well, you don't need to know all this yourself, but like have consultants and have people who can help you from publicists to, you know, digital agencies to, you know, literally like just being able to do some, you know, good, you know, okay, a, an initial campaign, which will change over time once the mm. film's evolved and once the film's finished. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's complicated, this space. Mm. Mm. As a distributor, that, yeah. yeah, I can only say yeah. the assets are, are really important and we do recreate them. You know, if you have a good, dedicated distributor, they're going to recreate the assets based on the territory. But the more you can share, it's true. And I think the world is moving a bit more towards that, even though it's utopian to think you can share assets across territories mainly for linguistic reasons, but timing as well and the way different systems and ticketing systems and distribution models work. And for the, you know, even minimum in the UK, we have landscape posters and everyone else has uh, portraits. So that's just a small thing, but actually it becomes a very big thing because you have to adapt all the artwork. Um, but we do, you know, we spend a lot of time on the assets and what Ben said is super important. So mm. you did getting all those assets. It seems funny when I tell people what I do for a living, they're like, people do that? You know, film doesn't just <laughs> miraculously appear on a screen or or on a you know magically appear on Netflix or something. And it, and, do, it doesn't, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and, I mean, how important is important. It, making those assets or those materials for for your your, your VOD release? And yeah, uh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we work with Lionsgate on our VOD on the digital side, and they create all our assets and. Uh, you know, they do different versions depending on which category it's in or uh, depending on which are, are, what artwork we used or another territory used. So there is a lot of conversation around even just that little <laughs> square that appears on your homepage when you're browsing through uh, a, a platform's content uh, takes time mm. <laughs> and sign off by lots of people. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that we've, I mean, we got funded by Creative Europe last year. And one of the major drives that we saw was this, this idea of trying to move, you know, budget out from the production into marketing. And the Danish Film Institute that we've been working with for the last four or five years, you know, they, they actively try and get some kind of more detailed marketing plan out of the distributors now prior to financing. You know, I've, 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 the, releasing a movie is really complicated. And, but I, I do think that you know, the whole industry would really help itself out if it did start the planning a little bit earlier. Um, and I'm not saying that you, you have to create the world's best marketing pack and do like promotions in, in, in that. You know, just a few steps and testing could go a long way in a conversation. I mean, one of the things that I think is quite interesting is Netflix refuses to share any audience insight information with any of the producers that it's buying from because that allows them to effectively control the price. That's not that's changed now. So yeah, okay. so so filmmakers do get it but they're just not allowed to share it. So what are they what are they what are they showing now? They know enough about like where the film has worked like they get okay. geographically um, uh, targeted campaign um, numbers uh, sorry not campaign like viewing numbers like so they know it will be you know your film is like number 1 in Australia. Okay. Yeah, so there are patterns to this. I, th yeah. I think they're particularly keen to share good 
numbers though. So maybe <laughs> yeah. smaller numbers are less shared. I don't even think you get numbers. I you think get you get tears. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know where it worked. Yeah, but but there we you know we we've been talking about this as an industry. There probably will be a movement towards some kind of uh, quantification of, of those numbers. Well, the European it Union should be. be pushing that, right? Yeah. I mean, that um, would make a lot of sense to try and open up that information to the producers because it must be really tough negotiating with someone who has that that access, right, or that information. Right. How do you create a, a production model based on not knowing mm. The, mm. the upside? You're listening to Film Disruptors special Glasgow Film Festival distribution episode. And if you want to find out more about the show or get in touch, you can do that at alexstoltz.com. And uh, I would say, Lee, I mean, you've got your, you know, you you straddle both camps, you know, uh, in terms of the the distribution, the online platform, and and cinemas. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, what are you what are you noticing from from that perspective in terms of audience sort of audience trends and audience behaviour? Are you are you seeing that the theatrical experience is still is a separate audience to the to the on home, to the, home to the audience. VOD audience. Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I, I think they, they, they very much run in, in parallel. I think that our members, our Curzon Cinema members, who are our most frequent cinema goers, or the majority of them, are the, the most likely to to consume the v, VOD as, as well. And so that's that's where we kind of can, you know, can really sort of stand out because we have our own films. We control the, the, the UK marketing of those. We have those same issues with, with assets and, and, and things like that. I would add a layer to, to what you said in that I think it's important to create assets specifically for platforms as well. Mm-hmm. So it gets more and more complex and the budgets get higher and higher and, and, it, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. unless it's a, you know, a real big studio film. You know, I know that some studios, they have, you know, seven or eight different types of audiences for a particular film and cam- campaigns for each one of them. And, you know, it's just not possible at, at, at any other other level. But we try we try and, and, and understand that data right across the whole cycle, I guess. We know, we know that the consumers of, 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 of cinema are, are going to be heavier consumers of, of VOD. And so we try and understand right through the whole campaign cycle and use that conversion data to feed back in yeah. to the, 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 the film campaigns. How, how close do you think you are to knowing your customer in, in, in a... Do you feel that you have enough data? <laughs> That's a difficult question. Uh, I, I, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I think that you know you have to be very mindful of of um, uh, of, of you know GDPR for, for for example. I think that you know Curzon has has always been. Um, you know, incredibly, incredibly conscious of the customers and their data, and um, and I think that 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 when GDPR came into effect in in May, there was a lot of um, uh, a lot of press and a lot of uh, stuff written about it. And the reality was that we didn't have to change that much because we were always 
doing the right thing, but we do want to understand people across that journey. So the things that we're doing, we're, we're looking to consolidate our platforms more and more. So at the, at the moment, essentially, you log into the cinema's website if you're a cinema member and you log into the Curzon Home Cinema if you're a Curzon Home Cinema account holder. And what we want to do is to consolidate those so that Curzon just becomes this brand uh, and this platform that is one experience mm. uh, associated with these great films that we released. It's a pretty good strategy, I think. Mia, <laughs> uh, Mia, can I ask you please about the training program that you run for distribution? What's it called? Leaders in... Future Leaders in Distribution. So we run two actually, so one called Film Moments, which is specifically for film, emerging filmmakers. Um, so female filmmakers in their allies, so men are allowed on if they're producing a film by a woman. Uh, and uh, or obviously non-binary uh, too, um, so I don't want to be too binary about everything. Um, and that's about um, uh, saying, okay, you've got the tools for the filmmaking, but what do you, you need to know about the market? So, so it's very distribution focused and about audiencing, audience positioning, all that. And then the other one is future leads in distribution, which is specifically to create more female leaders in distribution because there are enough women at the top. So you notice that we, and that was a response to noticing that a lot of films by women or about women were often missold, you know, enough of pink already on a poster, you know, all of that sort of like very generic approach to, to positioning a film, for instance, and, and, you know, saying we're kind of like, if, if the, if, if the industry doesn't represent the audience, we're not, we're not going to do a good enough job. This is one response amongst many, many issues. Um, so, so that's specific. And then from, from, you know, Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers to, to the indie sector, and they cover the whole spectrum of distribution. So from sales to home end to marketing to publicity. Um, and that helps reclaim the frame because it means that we really know the distribution community a lot and we've got spies in the within the midst of all the distribution companies, which is really helpful too. Not spies, obviously. Yeah. You know. future, <laughs> future spies in the distribution. Uh, I'd like to open it up to, to the audience now if anyone would like to ask a question to the panel. We have a gentleman there decisively at the back. Hi, um, you mentioned they are involving, um, well, thinking about your marketing strategy a lot earlier on in the process of a, of a film's like lifespan. I was just wondering what you thought about, um, for example, speaking to marketing experts at the development phase of a story. And then, you know, sometimes short films will um, take stills during the shoot and they'll give updates if, they're, if they want to be transparent. I was just thinking, wondering what you thought about that um, on a feature film level. So, you know, working closely with marketing teams way before the film's released, but um, also in development. Um, Thanks. I, 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 I say go for it. I would say go for it. I think that 
um, you know, the, 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 the big studio films, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of this kind of stuff and a lot of talent involvement because they know that the talent has uh, the, 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 the followings on social media and, and things like that. And again, it's the same kind of thing. I think it can work across the whole, the, the whole spectrum. You know, you can create content at all of these different stages, you know, from, 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 from anything these days. It's so easy to create this content. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of stuff that if, if you don't use it, well, you know, that, that's, that's fair enough. You created it and you might find a use for it, you know, further down the line and, and, and at different stages in the cycle. So I think, it's, I think it's very important. Content can be created at any point in the process now and, and you never know how, how it might benefit you in the, in the future. Yeah, and as a distributor, it's great when a producer really knows who their audience is or has already communicated. But I do think, yeah, maybe you don't release it necessarily right away because sometimes, depending on how a film, how long it takes to actually get it to market. So with studios, it's pretty much set. This is when we're going to make it. This is when we're going to launch it. This is when we're going to release it. Um, whereas independent films, it can take a lot longer uh, usually than you anticipate. It could be even a full year after it's had its world premiere before it's released. And... Sometimes there could be a feeling that it's already been released if you do too much or if there's too much out there. And that is a slight danger. Yeah, yeah do you but, think that maybe if you started uh, being too transparent too early on, the audience could get tired by the time the film Yeah, you have to create anticipation. So if they already know what it is or they feel like they've seen it, if there's too much. But if there's enough, that sort of garners excitement around it. Also, I, I think you need an angle. So like just... You know, we made a film in focus and in colour is like not enough of an angle, which is far too often like a, a strategy. So like if you've got a real special interest like subject or like an ang a hook, you know, like it could be the subject literally that's like, you know, un untapped, un you know, not talked about like particular issue, social issue or, or not. It could be a subject for a documentary. Like documentaries often do this really well. Like mm. they know their audience and develop their audience really early on. So if it's so, it should have an angle or otherwise around. Like if you've got an actor, you know, but maybe spend more time creating it than releasing it, as Eve said. Mm -hmm. Like really be that's put that's where to put the time in, and then you can give it to the marketers when you're ready because you really want to sell the film. So, you know, releasing too much too soon is like de often devalues. I mean, from my my perspective and my experience working with storytellers, it's about positioning. It's about positioning your 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 film within the marketplace, and that's a a process of thinking about the audience, thinking about the market, thinking about comparisons, thinking about how the film is going to be sold, and from that, and, and what's unique about your story and why it's important, and from that you can have a positioning, which will inform what assets you want to capture. You know, what is what is the angle you want to take? What is the hook? What is the the story you're conveying? Um, so it's, yeah, it's getting that sort of DNA, that blueprint, uh, and that can, that's great to do at a development stage. It's a great time to do it. Any more questions? Right there. I was wondering what are your thoughts on theatrical windows and if you think they should be shortened or uh, shortened or if you reckon that um, sort of a second release and a second marketing campaign after the film has gone out of cinemas and is going VOD and other channels um, is still beneficial. 
Um, so what are your thoughts on theatrical windows? Thank you. Great question. Um, I, I think Lee might have an opinion <laughs> on this. Uh, so maybe do you want to do you want to start? Lee? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's well known. Curzon releases all of its films day and date on on Curzon Home Cinema at the same time as in the cinemas. Uh, the reason for that is to make those films as widely available at that point where they are being talked about and at that point where uh, they are being released. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's the answer. I think that the, the, the window should be shortened. Because traditionally you have a sec- you'd have a second bite of the cherry. Actually, you know, you, you have your theatrical, which sets you up. And yes, yeah, so then there's a long wait, but then you have another chance to, mm-hmm. to, to, to create revenue. Uh, but you, you believe just purely on a commercial basis, it, it makes sense to, to compress those two, clarify the messaging, it's yeah. here now. That, that, that's exactly right. That allows us to consolidate that message to that one point. So that one platform and that one point and that one campaign all drives to the, to the same point, the same release date, and that makes things a lot more, a lot simpler, a lot more structured, a lot more succinct, and and we aim for that one that one particular release date, and that's been you know as as Philip Natchpool said that has, has been the strategy for a number of a number of years, and it, and it is unwavering. Yeah, but the rest of the industry isn't quite on the same no, um, no, mission. So not. as a distributor, sometimes caught in between, we want to play at Curzon, of course, because their cinema numbers are are very good, their audiences are great for the kinds of films we do. But if they're insisting on day and date, where there is some flexibility, of course, but not for your own films, I know, but for other distributors. Then there are other, there are independent sites, there's Picturehouse who want, well, independent sites is a kind of hybrid, and then Picturehouse and multiplexes want full window. So you're caught kind of in between, how are you going to program your films um, and carry on this campaign? So I think ultimately windows will collapse, but when and how? um, Would you, would you, would you, prefer if they did would it, do you think it would be better for your business if if you had that sure because because we have no power in exhibition you know and you have to spend a lot of time and all your energy and all your efforts getting the film there in the first place and if you are there it can come off very quickly so all your all your efforts are gone potentially i mean they could be there for three months great but if they're not it, it could be a week two three weeks uh month you know down the road of uh, once you played regionally around the country and you think wow we did all that work and now it just sits there nowhere for three more months because it is a four-month window in, mm. in the UK um, mm. so I think you, you you lose the momentum even though four months in the real world is a very very short period of time but you have lost that so we do try to have pre-orders so you can pre-order on iTunes or on Amazon on the day of theatrical release or on the on the around the time of the the greater press buzz anyway on a film mm. But yeah, if unless you're a studio film, you really you need to keep that momentum going because mm. equally, as you say, people have lots of choice, and if it's it's in front of them, they might choose it. If it's not, they're certainly not well, it going seems, to. It seems like we're really <laughs> an industry where you 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 do spend you spend a significant amount of money to create awareness and interest in something, and then you take it away after after <laughs> after a few weeks. But and 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 then the other thing is that that the distributors, you know, like Ben's been saying, don't necessarily know what part of that uh, campaign that they created actually drove to conversion. 
So for the people that actually did go and see the film, if it's if it's smaller than you expect, it comes out of the cinemas, you still don't know necessarily which part of the campaign actually drove people to go and to go and see it. So And when we do do audience a, polling, often it is the the traditional means. Like mm, I read a review mm, in The Guardian or yeah, I saw an ad in <laughs> You know, on on Facebook, it's yeah. re- well, that's not so traditional, but you know, obviously, in new com- media terms, the it's conversation old. on yeah, Facebook. But, yeah, or I, I saw it that. in the Curzon brochure. You know, mm. there there are some very very, or a friend of a friend told me about it. There are some very, sometimes when you do these really innovative campaigns with all these assets, nobody nobody comments on that. I, I, I mean, think, really, you yeah. didn't see that uh, campaign? We no. <laughs> I think <laughs> it, it is different again at different. Uh, parts of the industry so for the, the the real top end the big studio films it might be different the, the 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 way that you look at the the window but when we're talking about the independent films and more foreign language film that real opportunity to get it out there at the point that, that the campaign is live and the, the 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 press is live and the press is going out the interviews are going out the reviews are going out that's the real key moment so to give it the widest possible opportunity that's where you know we really believe in the day and day uh, model and i should say one of our models is event cinema which uh, <coughs> all cinemas will play an event driven uh, film so even if it is a shortened window when it comes out on digital or other platforms uh, of viewing because it's considered just one day only or a shortened shortened run uh, a planned shortened run so that's where you know mostly we'll play one film uh 100 200 300 400 sites on one day with a live satellite Q&A or with original content You're listening to Film Disruptors with me Alex Stoltz in conversation with Mia Bays, Lee Shelton, Ben Johnson and Eve Gabro at the Glasgow Film Festival 2019. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes. And one of the things I was going to say earlier that I didn't mention, though, that we do as a marketing partnership on top of the influencers and partners and word of mouth and preview screenings is um, partnering with institutions. So we get access to their data as well without infringing on <laughs> data protection, obviously. But we're doing an event in a couple of weeks uh, with the Royal Opera House. So it's kind of unprecedented because it's with a, a dancer and a director at, at the Royal Opera House, Carlos Acosta. And he, so they've allowed us to kind of use their brand, work with them and using their brand and their website. And they're associated with live content in cinemas uh, on a very high level, very successful. So it's this kind of hybrid of what they do as what they're live with showing a film with a live Q&A. And so instead of being live, oh, Royal Opera House live, we are live from the Royal Opera House. But we'll see if that translates to things that are really interesting for us as an event cinema distribution company is, does that translate, that Royal Opera House, does that necessarily translate into audiences and that branding and using the live and does the live event for, for a film and work um, from there. So, and, and then does being part of their communications because we're on their website, we're in their brochures, we're in their lobby, you know, we're in all the places where they would normally promote their own productions. Uh, does it help us grow the audience? Mm. I hope so. And our, our job is to go beyond the Royal Opera House, but already that's a pretty good starting point. Probably should say that uh, cinemas, well, we, we do have a cinema, of course, on the panel, but um, cinemas, you know, well, well, it would have a different take, I think, on the uh, on the Windows question. Another question. Yes. Um, hello. 
Um, I would like to ask you if you are familiar with the term crowd ticketing or cinema on demanding, because like everything you are saying fits perfectly in this concept, which uh, I think is the most disruptive distribution way that we could be talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think theoretically, or in theory, it's a really great idea. Um, can, cinema, can, on, can cinema on demand. Explain. Yeah. So when or crowdsourcing, so you get a, you choose a film. There's a plat. There are a number of platforms that do it. Um, what's the main one? Cin our screen. Our screen. Yeah. So our screen is a big one. So the, the, that people can then buy tickets, and if you get the critical mass, then the screening happens. So it's sort of user-generated screenings of both films and, and in spaces. But I personally, as a distributor, haven't had a great deal of success with it. So I think you either have to do it as your release. I know a lot of independent producers have gone to our screen or similar platforms, and probably Groovy has some experience in that world as well, that you can put on these screenings and that can be your release. And some of them have been relatively successful, um, but that is the theatrical release. When you try to combine a traditional or some form of of theatrical with that, it doesn't quite work. And so I just haven't had, and on the kind, I guess the, the scale that we like to achieve on a result, I haven't seen a lot of yeah, results in that. I don't think you could combine, but when you're, in terms of small independent producers, this is probably the, the biggest opportunity to have to go into theaters because most of the films just don't go there. Yeah, it takes away the gatekeepers for sure of the exhibitor and the distributors. So it can allow you to communicate directly with your audience through a platform. So it's a good idea. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think <laughs> something we haven't touched on too much is, you know, we have, there's tools such as our screen and all of the other digital marketing tools at your disposal. You can create a, you know, a Facebook, you know, advertising accounts and so on. So presents an opportunity, doesn't it, for creators to take control of the distribution process and, well... Ben, have you have you worked with any uh, producers who are doing their own distribution, and, how, and how's that? Um, a little bit, yeah, um, but most of the stuff has been directly to transactional VOD, so it's like buying on iTunes and app or Amazon, and that's really tough to to get people to to. to to open up their wallet and, and 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 I'm not a big believer in in transactional VOD. It's it's a, it seems to be from our experience a really really tough sell, particularly with the micro budgets that are involved to, to get someone to part with six or nine pounds. Harder than getting them to go to the the theatre. Yeah, I think the theatre still has that that element. Um, I, I I think that a lot of platforms will start to experiment with more advertising led VOD, so you watch a film and you pay pay through it because the but that requires a platform to have a certain amount of scale and attract advertisers. Mm -hmm. Subscription, you've always got the, you've got to have like a critical mass of movies and that can be expensive, you know, so so transactional VOD is the easiest way to release, but it, it's really tough to get an audience in if it hasn't had any kind of theatrical backing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, you know, event cinema, I think is a very good way of, 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 of releasing a film, um, you know, because you can do it at scale, you avoid the the, 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 the virtual print fees, which is a cost that goes into your budget. Um, you know, uh, you don't get hamstrung by this, uh, uh, you know, three month window holdback that you get in some countries in Europe. Mm. Um, I th you know, not all film should be 
theatrically released as well. And I think there's a, there's a you know, producers, I think, have to have, and filmmakers have to have a more realistic view of the world today. Um, but the demand cinema side is something we haven't really worked with. I've known a couple of startups that got involved in it, and I, I do think it's an interesting model. It's just, it's waking up the audiences to that potential. And then, of course, you've got the other side of the industry where you have to kind of get the cinemas to take that leap of faith and start working with that model. Mm. You know, I mean, it would be lovely to have back-to-back <laughs> Mel, Bro- Mel Brooks movies in my local cinema. I would, you I would do it. I, you I, can, you I, can, I can happily check that out. But uh, unfortunately... It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's still not quite together yet. Mm. It really works when you... So I really I produced a film um, about the Backstreet Boys in 2015 and we did a global... We did North America and then we did the rest of the world released pretty much simultaneously. And that was kind of using cinema on demand tools and event cinema, which operates really specifically kind of one night only sort of call to action. So it works really well when you literally can get the band to to like mobilize their audience you have to have like it really works in in scale when you've got that kind of asset it's really hard to do otherwise but it's great for that like it worked really well for us we just did one night and we were north uh, we were on number one on itunes in north america like the next day because you know all the marketing was really focused Mm -hmm. so it can really work well for like that kind of like documentary and and music-based film Mm clear, focused audience. I think we have time for one more question, if there is one. If not, I I also have one. Hello. Hi. um, A few of us are, like, studying specifically film exhibition and curation, um, and recently we've been talking a lot about film festivals themselves. Um, I don't really know what my question is other than just how film festivals operate in terms of distribution. Do you think that that relationship could be worked on? Because it seems like there's definitely a hierarchy now, potentially, in film festivals. So when a film premieres at a specific one, I just wondered if anyone had any thoughts on that power, like what that dynamic is Yeah, the the distribution impact of a festival... Eve, you're always looking for yeah. a good festival yeah, to launch no, your film around. Yeah, no, festivals are really key and increasingly key because it's maybe replaced a lot of follow-on bookings that you would get uh, on a on a sustained theatrical run. We probably put a lot more emphasis on previews in, in festivals. Once you've had your your world premiere, and hopefully, I mean, the kinds of films we try to do anyway are, are, are mostly A-list festivals, but that's just because that's you have to kind of put your priorities in, in certain... Uh, places, But then after that, if we take on the UK rights, then we'll look at what's the right UK launch for it. And then after that, you can start to play it in multiple festivals. Was so only really Edinburgh, London, insist on the national premiere. And then the rest, like even Glasgow, does have plenty of UK premieres, but they also will play a film that has already played in a festival, mm. but prior to theatrical release. So just getting that balance. There are a lot of festivals. Um, most festivals except for Edinburgh and London, will pay a box office, which is interesting for a distributor because you generally have a very captive audience. Um, you share the marketing, you share the talent, you create the buzz. So I think they're really, really very good and they make sense for us as a distributor to use because there is a sort of shared uh, financial incentive as well, but with the idea that you're building an audience for the film. So I think festivals, but they also need to find their place. And also, you know, coming, I come from a festival background, actually, originally. And 
you know, there are so many festivals that people can get fatigue, but I think the people who live in those places where the festivals happen don't have that same fatigue. They're very happy to have a festival in their city, their town, their region. And that's where they have come into their own, I think, where people embrace their local, the local side of this international part. So it does come down to good programming, good events, um, good funding, if you can, um, is really important. Yeah. But I think that's the hierarchy that you're talking about. I mean, you're you, you're talking about like the big, you know, the Sundances, the Berlin, the Cannes, the Toronto, like they're really the big four. Venice, five, the big five. And, you know, everyone else is like kind of on the next tier down. Um, so, you know, in ter- like they're, they're making and breaking the, the international fortunes of, of a lot of films that play there, you know, so they have become massive power brokers primarily in, not to audiences, but really in terms of like Venice and Toronto kick off the Oscar race, that's where it starts. You know, Sundance and, and Berlin are kind of in the, you know, beginning of the year. So they sort of, you know, start the year with like what are, you know, it's much more about emerging talent. So, you know, they've become really massive power brokers because that's where we, the trade, go to filter. Like, because there are too many movies. So, festivals are beyond anything else a filtering system for the industry and the audience you know that's why they're really important for marketing and as as um eve said they're then like national festivals become really important places often that replace distribution um and then really specialized festivals that you know speak directly to a particular audience that feels really undernourished that main distribution doesn't serve you know like lgbtq festivals like really fabulous like black film festivals you know very asian cinema like really specific stuff that serves audiences that just really can't find the the work otherwise so i think they're essential Hmm. just getting that timing right as a distributor (laughs) if it coincides nicely then it then it works really well i would just like to finish with one final question uh, it's a question I ask all of my guests on the film disruptors, and it is: What would be your advice for emerging storytellers, someone who wants to be a filmmaker or a storyteller, uh, going into the business today? What would you advise them? How, how would you advise them if they approach that? And I'm not going to ask everyone. I'm going to I'm going to go to Mia. Okay. And uh, what, what would you say to that um, person, Mia? So I would say it's about sort of knowledge. So it's both self-knowledge. So know what you're making a film, why you're making a film. Don't just um, pay for therapy if you need to. Uh, so at a deeper level, like really, like why are you doing this? Like it's a big question. But really, why are you doing this? Because it's hard. And um, and does it is anyone else going to care? And the first response might be no. So you've got to, you've got to unpick that for yourself, and then it's like going into battle making a film. You've got to persuade more and more and more people. It's like a vir- you're a virus. You've got to persuade more and more people that they want to hear your story. So it's not just like all we've been talking about is know your audience. So it's absolutely that, but also know yourself. Like ambition, I see. So there are so many films that are made without any awareness of who they're for. It's, they're all driven by ambition. Ambition's great, but you'll be so disappointed when your kind of fantasy of being at the Oscars doesn't, and, and even going to like your local film festival may not even play out. Like, you know, it may be kind of incrementally decreasing fantasy uh, and, and really not end up well. 
So, you know, ambition's great, but like it's got to be coupled with kind of a real craft. Like it's a craft. Understand that, you know, find the best tools, find the best people and mobilise as many people as possible. You don't have to know everything. That would be my, yeah, probably I shouldn't have just said that. You don't have to know everything. <laughs> find the people who do. That's brilliant. I love it. Okay, uh, so it's been a great session. I think we've, you know, we're really getting to the, the grip of knowing your audience and and calling that audience to to action uh, i'd like to thank all of the panel today you've been amazing eve ben lee and mia thank you very much thank you so that was mia bays ben johnson lee shelton and Eve Gabaro in conversation at the Glasgow Film Festival 2019. If you want to find out more about any of the guests on this show, listen to other episodes or get in touch, you can do all of this at alexstoltz.com. And if you are enjoying Film Disruptors, please subscribe on iTunes. And if you could leave a review too, that would be very much appreciated. So that's it for this episode. Just like to say thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon. As anyone listening to this show for a while will know, the business of storytelling is something I'm personally very passionate about. And when I'm not interviewing film disruptors, I love applying this passion and using my expertise to help independent storytellers and filmmakers accomplish their goals and get stories made and seen. I do this by working with storytellers intensively or over a longer period to develop the project and strategy for maximum finance, distribution and commercial impact. If you are a filmmaker or storyteller and would like to find out more about how I can help your project, I'd love to hear from you please go to alexstoltz.com or just drop me an email at alex at alexstoltz.com. <laughs>